a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. This is then a sanctification. Is a daily drowning of the flesh and, the, and a daily rising again of the new man to life. And that is what we call repentance. The law comes to us and shows us our sin, and then the gospel comes and, and forgives our sins, and, and, and by that the new man rises daily to life. The point is the forgiveness of sins. I mean, I, I wonder if the gospel was preached in that gray old church. I wonder if the sacraments were rightly administered. Because if it was, that's the point. I wonder if those gray old people needed the forgiveness of sins. It's like putting Vaseline in your eyes before reading the New Testament to be a dispensation. Because <laughs> you can't tell anyway what's up and down. So. You're just trying to get on the Facebook quote page. Welcome to this edition of Table Talk Radio. On today's program, we are playing Iron Preacher. That is the uh, the homiletical game where we take a text and uh, with little preparation, two preachers go at it and uh, see who comes out on top. Uh, let me start by introducing the judge for today's edition of Iron Preacher. That is uh, the professor of homiletics at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Professor Carl, Dr. Carl Fergenter. Welcome to Table Talk Radio. Great to be here, Evan. Thank you so much. All right. And then the challenger for today's edition of Iron Preacher is Pastor Todd Wilkin, who's the uh, host of Issues Etc. Welcome, Pastor Wilkin. Evan, thanks for having me. <laughs> 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 he likes the introduction music. I do. <laughs> That's intimidating Wilkin over there. And now, it's time for Table Talk Radio's Iron Preacher. Straight from the pulpit of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, the Iron Preacher himself, Brian Wolfmuller. Look <laughs> at shaking in his boots, I can tell. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, Pastor Wilkins. He he wants me to uh, play this to intimidate the challenger, but I'm not sure. The what's elders wouldn't go for it on Sunday morning here at Hope. <laughs> no. So we got <laughs> All right. Well, let's read the text to get you guys on your way. And the text for uh, today is John chapter 14, verses 12 through 17. Uh, yeah, John 14, 12. 14, 12 through 17, and the reading goes like this. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. The greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whenever you ask in my name, that I will do, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments." I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, 
because it does not see him nor or know him. But you know him because he abides in you and will be in you. There it is. Preachers can get started uh, on the text. That is John fourteen twelve through 17. I think this might be a tough one for our preachers today, Dr. Frickensher. Well, that series of, of uh, discourses in John is very, very challenging. It, it's one that I resist allowing my, uh, my MDiv students to mess with because they are <laughs> a tricky text. John's uh, uh, style, as Jesus uh, speaks, it is uh, uh, often not the straight-line logic that we Western thinkers are most comfortable with, so it's challenging. All right, well, let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, preaching. Now, let's say... Uh, you were writing uh, the, the the book on uh, the idiot's guide to listening to a Christian sermon, or or maybe better put the sinner's guide to listening to a Christian sermon. Uh, what uh, what what would this book contain? What are the chapters, and what what are the key things for a listener to hear a Christian sermon? Well, certainly from a listener's standpoint, uh, we want to be aware that when you come into a Lutheran church, you're going to hear Christ. Uh, above all else, Christ crucified should be proclaimed. If it's not, well, then we've got to take it up with the preacher. Uh, the listener comes in, obviously not cued in on, on what to expect, and that's not his job. It's the preacher's job to make it very clear. And so the preacher has the responsibility uh, of, of having a, a clear theme statement that uh, either very uh, frequently expressed or sometimes just implied, but unmistakably so, will uh, focus the hearer's attention on how this sermon is going to proclaim Christ, or perhaps at the end of the sermon, how this sermon has proclaimed Christ. Uh, The hearer is likely to come in basically just in his own life, and that may mean that he brings with him some uh, very difficult times today. It may mean that he brings in some uh, burden of guilt that he is aware of, often not. At all, though, often he comes in feeling quite okay about life, uh, perhaps uh, uh, feeling great about how things are going and not even aware that there really is a, a tremendous need on his part. The preacher's job is to make that need known to the hearer or when the hearer already is carrying that burden of which he's aware, to touch base with that. In other words, the, the preacher tries to make connection with the hearer, whatever he might be already experiencing, and then, in whatever the scenario we've described so far, make it clear how Christ and Christ going to the cross for us is the answer. And that's always the case, whether it's a, a situation where the, the hearer comes in knowing that he has been very sinful, that he has done those things that God would uh, prohibit. Uh, in that case, the, the gospel of the cross assures him of his forgiveness. If it's a situation instead where he's simply feeling the effects of his sin and the fallen world, that is, death in the family, separation from loved ones, and so on, then also Christ and the reconciled relationship that it gives us with the Heavenly Father is the answer. We always have uh, relationships that s- strengthen us, support us, that provide us with everything we really need, because by the cross we've been reconciled with Heavenly Father. So I, I would say uh, a hearer is, uh, uh, first of all, welcome to come in knowing absolutely nothing. It's the preacher's job to, to orient him by, by what he says. But if I were to help a hearer come in uh, and be prepared, I'd say, listen to how this sermon today is going to touch base with needs that you have and how Christ, by going to the cross, really is the answer to those needs. Now, from the uh, the preacher side of things, what what would you say is maybe the most common error uh, that preachers, just in, in Christendom as a whole, what's the most common 
uh, temptation or error that preachers fall into? Well, there are, are countless ones, and, and I, to, to evaluate frequency might be tough. I, I think of a lot of things that come up often, uh, but of most critical deficiency really would be uh, to fail to do what we just talked about. If, if, if we've given a hearer the advice I just gave, come in listening for Christ and how he's the answer to what you're experiencing, if the preacher lets him down on that, then the preacher has committed the most grievous error. And unfortunately, that most grievous error is not an uncommon error. Uh, It's not, I think, all that common in most Christian churches, whether they be Lutheran or other other denominations or non-denominational, to fail to talk about the Bible. That's usually going to happen. God's name very likely will be included, and even Christ uh, likely to be mentioned as well. Um, The cross is often omitted, and sometimes, even when the cross is proclaimed, it's proclaimed in a way that simply is an example for us to follow. Uh, and this is true of so many things of God talk or Jesus talk that may be included in a sermon. Uh, very frequently, uh, Christ is, procla- is proclaimed or, or described, I should say, I guess this falls short of proclamation. Christ is really described as someone who is an example that we should follow. Very common mistake. A hearer may have, or a preacher rather, may have Christ in the sermon from start to finish, but the hearer comes out of it ultimately with the message that Jesus was a, a, a great man, even God himself, who did these wonderful things that I should do also. And if that is the message that the preacher has proclaimed, then the preacher really has failed to give that initial criterion that I offered, Christ, by his death and resurrection, really being the answer. The answer that the preacher has proposed in that situation is really the good works of the hearer modeled after Christ's work. That, I think, is a very common error, and I think it's the most serious error. All right. Well, you heard it from Dr. Frakencher. He's a professor of homiletics at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Let's check check in with our preachers. Uh, Pastor Wolfman, how are things going over there in Aurora? I'm getting a hand cramp, Evan. Well, ask Wilkin how he's doing. All right, uh, Pastor Wilkin, how how are we doing over there? Doing just fine, absolutely. Oh, it sounds pretty comfortable over there. <laughs> okay, well, after this upcoming break, we're going to uh, hear first from Pastor Wilkin to see uh, what he did with this text from John 14, uh, and then we'll uh, hear from the co-host of Table Talk Radio, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Uh, if you want to send us a theological question or any other question, uh, give us an email at questions at tabletalkradio.org, questions at tabletalkradio.org, or give us a call 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-SOLA. All right, we're going to hit this commercial break and be right back, so the preachers need to stop. And we'll check in with their sermons right after this break. You are listening to Table Talk Radio, home of the Iron Preacher. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Somebody find me a preacher. Somebody find me a man with a Bible who can tie a knot. I know what I got. I know who I love. Track him down. Wake him up. Right here, right now in this Tennessee dirt. No long white dress, no little white church, just you and your put-off jeans and my old t-shirt. Somebody find me a preacher. Hi, this is Todd Wilkin, host of Issues Etc. When I can't sleep, I listen to Table Talk Radio. Yeah, here comes the preacher. 
the preacher went out a-hunting. It was home on Sunday morn. It was against his religion, but he took a shotgun along. He got him a mess of mighty fine quail and one old scraggly hat. But on the way home, he crossed the path of a great big grizzly bear. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. You are listening to the Iron Preacher, and the two preachers we have here is Pastor Todd Wilkin and Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Uh, we are focusing on the text from John chapter 14, 12 through 17. And Pastor Wilkin, whenever you're ready, you have five minutes to deliver your sermon. All right. Well, you know, we could fiddle-faddle around on this text with all sorts of questions it raises. This is the way John usually is raising more questions than he answers in the way that he presents Jesus and what Jesus has to say. But it's probably best for us to go right to the real heart and the real problem in this text, and that's Jesus' own words, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So this is the hardest part. This is the part that uh, probably uh, many preachers will either gloss over or ignore. It's a simple completely objective metric for determining if you love Jesus or not. It's very simple, keep my commandments. And he doesn't present a uh, sliding scale here. It's either love him or don't, keep his commandments or don't, and it's that simple. If you love him, you keep his commandments. If you don't keep his commandments, you don't love him. So the question simply is, do you love him? Now, many Christians want to say yes. They might feel like they could say yes to that question, I love Jesus, based upon their sentiments about Jesus, based upon um, their, uh, their feelings about the man. But that's not what Jesus is asking. He's not saying, do you feel like you love me? Do you feel affection for me? Do you like me? He says, do you keep my commandments? And the answer to that question in each and every one of our cases, my case, your case, every person who's confronted with this question and answers honestly is, when Jesus asks, do you love me, the answer has to be no, emphatically no, because, again, it's a simple objective metric, we don't keep his commandments. This is first commandment stuff, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Jesus says, I'm your God. Do you love me? This is how you know. You keep my commandments. And in our case, since we don't keep his commandments, we cannot honestly say that we love him, not the way that Jesus is talking about here. So we're left with a terrible dilemma here. We neither keep his commandments nor do we love him. And that's a pretty bad situation for a Christian to be in. Christians, at the very least, are supposed to love Jesus, and here Jesus himself proves that we don't, because we disobey. But this is the difference between being a Christian and someone who believes any other religious beliefs in the world. The Christian can answer honestly this question, do you love me, based upon your keeping of the commandments? The Christian can be honest and say, no. Because the Christian knows that his commandment-keeping while it certainly may show, beyond a shadow of a doubt, in his failure to keep the commandments, that he does not love Jesus, the Christian knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that his standing before God the Father does not depend upon his love for Jesus or his keeping of the commandments, but in fact upon Jesus' love for him. 
and Jesus keeping of the commandments. In fact, if we turn the question around and said, who then keeps these commandments, the only answer there is is Jesus himself, and he keeps them perfectly. Now, you want proof of that. The proof is in the cross, because there at the cross, Jesus is rendering perfect obedience and perfect love. There at the cross, Jesus is keeping the first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, indeed in Jesus' case, all his life, and everything that he is and has. Jesus is loving God there at the cross, and he's doing it for us. Jesus is not only loving God there perfectly at the cross, but because this perfect obedience that he's rendering there at the cross, as the culmination of a life of perfect obedience, is being done for us, he's also loving us perfectly there at the cross. And that is the only obedience that avails before the Father. Now we can go back and actually look at one of those kind of messy details in this text where Jesus urges his disciples to ask in his name. He says, if you ask anything in my name, well, now we know what it means to ask in his name and not our own name. It means to ask solely on the basis of his obedience and his love of God and of us. We know that we can ask in Jesus' name because, in essence, when we ask in Jesus' name, that is, trusting in his perfect obedience as our substitute, it is as if Jesus himself were asking for us. And the Father cannot refuse his Son. He's not only the Son, but he's a perfectly obedient Son. So when we ask in his name, we have the promise that God the Father will hear and answer because... It is as if Jesus himself were asking. In fact, it really is Jesus himself who is asking when we ask in his name. About 15 when seconds. When we stand before the Father and receive the forgiveness of sins, it is because the Father sees us as he sees Jesus himself. And on the last day, when we face judgment based upon a life that we have led here that has been nothing but a long stream of breaking his commandments and failing to love God, as we've been commanded to, it will be Jesus himself who stands in our place. Even as he was at the cross in our place, bearing the punishment for our disobedience and rendering to God perfect obedience, so on the last day the judge himself will judge us based not upon how we have lived or obeyed or loved, but solely upon how he has lived and obeyed and loved in our place. All right, Pastor, I'm going to... Uh, cut you off there. Uh, Amen. Dr. Vickinter, can I get uh, your remarks upon uh, Wilkins' sermon there? That was a good five-minute sermon. Uh, That was a wonderful example of law and gospel, the things that we described without using those terms in our preface earlier. Uh, What uh, Pastor Wilkin brought out was a magnificent job of showing what is unique about the Christian faith. And, And when we see what is unique about the Christian faith, we really are getting at that thing we pointed out before. Christ crucified is what our faith is all about, and that's what sets it apart from all the religions. The fact that we can answer that penetrating question with no, and and still give an answer in confidence, because we realize that it's not our obedience, our perfect love, our keeping of the commandments that avails before God, but Christ's perfect keeping of the law, Christ's perfect love demonstrated ultimately in the cross that gives us that standing before God. 
uh, I think it was excellent, uh, well-organized sermon, moving from very clear, very direct law that convicted all of us, included all of us, to gospel uh, in which Jesus did all of this for us, for all of us, even availing on Judgment Day when Jesus will stand in our place uh, pleading our case to the Father. Uh, solid law gospel sermon, very nicely structured and, and uh, very textual. All right, uh, Pastor Wilkin, I know you have to, to go here in a minute, so I'm going to ask you a, a question before you go. Uh, and this is going to give Pastor Wolfmere an edge, uh, but uh, he's supposed to have his pencil down. Um, it's down. <laughs> when you come to a text, when you're preparing to, to deliver a sermon, um, what are maybe the first questions you ask uh, uh, in, in preparation for a sermon? Well, the first question you have to ask is, um, how am I, I going to get the cross out of this text? Because the cross is the ultimate destination of, of every Christian sermon, like, like Dr. Pekentra said so well before. And so uh, what you'll find in a lot of texts is there won't be an explicit mention of the cross. Um, when you're dealing with the Gospels, you can always uh, kind of find your way to the cross via the one who is speaking. That's Jesus himself. Sometimes you need to do that. You know, in this case, Jesus makes it easy. Uh, he talks about love and obedience. And Paul makes it quite clear that the cross is all about love and obedience. So that's the first question I ask. Then you have to work your way backward. Usually my technique is to work my way backward and to um, look, for, look for the law um, that, that the cross will ultimately answer. It's kind of a way of reverse engineering um, a sermon. It makes sermon writing a lot faster, if, if you ask me. Uh, and in this case, again, it's just as easy as falling off a log because Jesus kind of hits us with the ultimate law question that we can't wiggle out from under. Uh, I preached this, uh, I kind of cheated, I preached this very sermon several years ago at a large LCMS congregation and um, read the text, and then I asked the, the, uh, the assembled people there, um, so do you love Jesus? And they all, with big warm smiles, said yes. <laughs> and then I read the text again, and I said, now please be careful before you answer this, do you love Jesus? And fewer people said yes, and so I had to repeat myself a third time just to make sure they understood that Jesus isn't fooling around here. And um, eventually, with each audience that I addressed that morning, I think it was four services, um, they all came to see rather quickly that you cannot honestly say yes to that question. Only Jesus can. And there you go. Your sermon's written. All right. Well, I know you have to go during this break, so uh, we'll have to email you. Uh, maybe because you have your own radio broadcast, but we'll just call in issues, et cetera, after this uh, show and, and let you know who won. Maybe we can create a, a Table Talk Radio bundle package uh, for the winner. Of, uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you for being on, the, being on the show, and we'll let you know how it turns out. Happy to do it, Evan. Thank you very much. All right. Well, uh, after this next break, we're going to hear a sermon from uh, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller on the same text. Can he defeat? I think uh, isn't this true, Pastor Wolfmuller, that that Wilkin has beat you before, hasn't he? He he was. He was the fir- my very first loss. Oh, that's right. And so I we're going to see if we can seek revenge here. You have a tall order to do it. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Hey, check out our website at tabletalkradio.org where we have a merchandise shop. You can buy all of your favorite Table Talk Radio gear. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. The only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. The only one who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man. You see, he was. He was. 
you ever been flipping through the radio and suddenly wonder why you've been listening to something? Well, this is Stable Talk Radio. Yeah! <laughs> I'm just a curbside prophet with my hand in my pocket and I'm waiting for my rocket to come. I'm just a curbside prophet with my hand in my pocket and I'm waiting for my rocket, y'all. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. I think I think you wanted that as um, the ringtone for you on my phone. Yeah, how'd that go? Uh, I'm giving you a bump, but that's that's all you're getting. You're not getting a ringtone out of it. So maybe if maybe if you can defeat Wilkin, I'll, I'll consider it as a ringtone for the for the phone. <laughs> all right, it's time for the Iron Preacher sermon uh, on John 14. Pastor, whenever you're ready. In the name of Jesus, Amen. The devil lies when he tells you that Jesus has left you, that Jesus has abandoned you, that Jesus is mad at you, or even worse, that Jesus doesn't care about you, that he's left you like an orphan. Everything that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit does is for you. The Father sends his Son for you. The Son takes your flesh and your sin and your death for you. And this Son then ascends to the ear of the Father and sends his Holy Spirit for you. Everything that Jesus does is fulfilling the words of John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is dying for you, for your sins. He's shedding his blood for you so that he would have you. So the text at hand, John 14 Jesus is talking to his disciples. He still has water made dirty by the apostles' feet dripping from his hands. And he speaks these words of comfort and life to us. And in these words, he is simply unloading himself and his gifts to you. He gives you his works. Verse 12, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I will do, he will do also and greater works than these. Jesus gives you his ear, the promise to hear and answer all your prayers. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do and that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus gives you his commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And Jesus gives you the most precious gift of all, his Holy Spirit. Verse 16. And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth that the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. Jesus gives you everything that's his, his life. His Father, His holiness, His love, everything. Orphaned? You see, the devil lies when he tells you that Jesus has left you, has orphaned you. For everything that Jesus does is so that He would be your brother and your friend and your Savior. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, Dr. Perkincher, would you like to have uh, a few words about Pastor Wolfmuller's sermon there? Why, certainly. Again, a fine, fine job, as the Iron Preacher always does. Uh, once again, the gospel was very, very clear. 
uh, I would say his theme was that Christ gives us everything. He uh, gives us anything we ask of him. He gives us his commandments. He gives us his spirit. He gives his life. He gives his father. He gives his love so that he can be our brother, be our friend, be our savior. And that is a magnificent message of the gospel. Uh, the idea that uh, Christ is there for us when we might feel orphaned, uh, that he never uh, leaves us or abandons us. A magnificent message. I would uh, take this issue with uh, the sermon that uh, Pastor Wolf Mueller has given us, and that is, uh, I wasn't clear uh, without uh, my own uh, reading, uh, I think if I were here I would not have been clear, I could say, uh, of exactly how his uh, opening really fit the text. He went uh, just outside the pericope. Our, Our lesson was verses 12 through 17 of John chapter 14. Verse 18, the very next verse is, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And that's really the premise that Pastor Wolf Mueller based his, his uh, magnificent proclamation of the gospel on. The is devil that not lo- part of the text that we were given? I thought it was. No, 12 to 17. <clears throat> well, if it had been through 19, it would have been a different matter. Actually, it was through 17. And, oh, and, and, and with, with that kind of issue, you see, here, here's, here is something I stress to my students. You, you always want your hearers to be able to understand why you're saying what you're saying when you're saying it. And the way that's achieved is by letting the hearers hear the specific verses of the text that you're talking about as you develop them. In this particular case, the reading of the text went through verse 17, and so the hearers did have a lot to chew on. We already commented earlier, and, and uh, Pastor Wolfmuller did as well, of, of how challenging John really is in, in the way he uh, brings the words of Jesus forward for us. And when the hearers are having a challenge already sorting out exactly what the, the main thrust of the text is, they're going to be at a big disadvantage if a key, a very, very key phrase, I will not leave you as orphans, has not been read yet. And so I think the hearers are a little bit disoriented. Uh, the problem then is when you get to that magnificent... Oh, there you go. There, that's a possibility, too. When you get to this magnificent treatment of the gospel, which you, which you brought us, what wonderful proclamation... Uh, it doesn't quite match with the problem the hearer would have been sensing. Uh, and uh, so I think that was a weakness in what could have been a very fine sermon on John 14, 12 through, say, 18 or 19. <laughs> Let's just pretend like that's what I was preaching. <laughs> Let's just pretend. <laughs> and you, you would expect a seasoned preacher like uh, Pastor Wolfman is already... <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, Pastor. Uh, well, be- before you give your verdict, yes. uh, let's let's hold the listeners in suspense uh, a little bit because we have about four minutes for our next break. All right. Um, one thing that one thing that you also tell your students, and this is more uh, uh, teaching about delivery more than content. Yes. Um, but you, you you talk about how how you know I, I remember in Ham one you talk about that that God could have chosen any time to 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 you know, send messages for this. I mean, look at all the technology we have today. Exactly. Uh, right. But but he he chose a particular time uh, to deliver his message through through people through personalities. How does that play in in, in preaching? Very much so. Uh, I really do stress that preaching should be live and in person, person to people communication. Uh, what that means is that the pastor does a careful job of preparing a sermon, in most cases when it's not Iron Preacher, <laughs> work, working in his office Monday through Friday studying the text and, and, and perhaps on Friday uh, grinding out actual language, crafting carefully the kinds of words he would like to use in the pulpit on Sunday morning. 
But then on Sunday morning, it should be a live event, even though he has carefully developed the thoughts and even specific words that could be advantageous, could be effective in in proclaiming the message. On Sunday morning, he really wants, once again, to put himself into his thoughts, to consider again the points he was making rather than the particular words that he intended to use, and let those thoughts, once again, drive the delivery. I call it thinking in thoughts. And what happens when a preacher is thinking in thoughts, as opposed to the other alternative I offer, thinking in words, is that the preacher is not simply voice-mailing in the words that he carefully crafted on Friday. By going back to the thoughts that caused those words to be carefully chosen on Friday, his brain will once again select words live and in person in the pulpit, and the communication will really be right now. The way I'm talking to you, Evan, you see? Mm -hmm. Uh, We we, we couldn't do this without uh, actual real live and uh, in-person opportunity to to engage our eyes, to engage our voice, Uh, to think through what we want to say and then have our our, our brain actually choose the words live and in-person Ex, uh, creates an experience for the hearers which is very different from just reading the sermon or even hearing the sermon read. I think that really is consistent with the paradigm that, that God established in preaching. And you're exactly right. As we have discussed, um, God could have used other means of proclamation. Uh, he could have uh, simply given us the written word to be spread by by silent reading. Uh, He could, in a different era, have used newspapers. He could have used television and so on. But the fact is, from not just the first century, Christ's day, but even uh, in the days of the Old Testament prophets, and continuing now up until our day of very high technology, it continues to be the divine paradigm that real live people, men called to be the proclaimers of the word, will carefully prepare, but then deliver that word live and in person to people right before their very eyes and their very presence. And I think that makes a very big difference. I really think that's not simply uh, an option, but I really think that is what God intended to be the, the mode of proclamation for all time. Okay, well, you have a minute and a half before this break. Uh, is that enough time to, to issue a verdict on, on Iron Preacher? I believe it is. Okay, let's hear it. Well, I, as always, we have a, a, an Iron Preacher who is brilliant and challengers who are, who are well chosen. Uh, I think that in both cases we had solid proclamation of the gospel. Uh, we did the things that a sermon should do to be faithful to Christian proclamation, to, to truly be a Christian sermon. And both of them uh, drew upon the elements of John chapter 14 very nicely. But I have to say that that matter of stepping outside the text, while it's no sin, is definitely something that makes it more difficult for the hearers to process where we're going. I think in the case of Pastor Wilkins' sermon, it was easy to see how he was developing a a real challenge, a real problem in this text. The question, uh, do you really love me? If you really love me, you will really keep my commandments. That confronted all of us, and I think we had had to answer negatively, but then be absolved by the gospel of what Christ has done. I think, on the other hand, Pastor Wolf Mueller's sermon, while it was also very well constructed, uh, left it more difficult for the hearer to see the problem. And so, this time, we go with the challenger, Pastor Todd Wilkins. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to send him an email. I'll let him know. Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. Dr. Perkins is going to stick with us. Don't go away. Thank God for the preacher who told me of Jesus. 
before I'd be a beggar, if not for His grace. You tuned in at the worst of all possible times. This is Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talker Radio. Dr. Perkincher has uh, stayed with us for this uh, last segment of Table Talker Radio, and he has agreed to, to join us for a game of Bible Bee. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so uh, quickly how this works is we, we read a verse or two from the Bible, and the uh, contestant of the game has to determine what book of the Bible it is in, and then we usually you know do a little law gospel with it as well. So that's how it works, and uh, the first uh, entry here is for you, Dr. Perkincher, and uh, this is, this is the, the, the verses. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Now, do I have to give the verse also? Um, you get extra points if you get ver- if you get the verse. Oh, gee, this is. I, I hope you're not. The too, generosity. I was going to say. I, ho- I hope you're not too brutal on on the host here because uh, that, that's John six dripping everywhere, my friend. That is John. Oh uh, yeah. Well, that's that part was easy. Yeah. I mean, if you want the verse, I'm I'm saying it's a it's around verse forty one, forty two, something like that. Actually, this is fifty three through fifty five. Okay. See, Ooh. so I'd I'd have been wrong then. See, I was wrong, completely wrong. Completely wrong. Yeah. Okay. All right. What do you have on that for law and or gospel? Yes. Well, there is, of course, the the law that says unless, that is, those who uh, do not uh, receive Christ, those who who, uh, do not participate in his body will be lost. But it's also true that Christ is giving us a magnificent picture of what he gives to us specifically in the sacrament when we receive his body and blood because there we do have eternal life. And that's rich and beautiful gospel. Now, uh, we could discuss all day exactly how it refers to the sacrament of the altar, uh, and uh, that perhaps is for another game show. But uh, for this point, I would say there is uh, the unless uh, speaks of law, but uh, the, uh, uh, the inclusion in Christ's body is wonderful, uh, wonderful gospel. All right, so I'm going to, that's uh, 200 points for reading the book of the Bible, right, and 200 points for reading the law of gospel, right? So Dr. Fakincher is at now 400 points. I can't believe Dr. Fakincher has points. <laughs> That's how true. Did we, how did things? How have things gone so wrong? Uh, the doctor for Kendra has points. You know, you know where I think it went wrong is uh, you. You, you uh, named your title on the National Board of Missions for points for Iron Preacher. That you were expecting that to be some sort of a uh, up uh, in, in the judgment of Iron the Preacher. Air. Don't you? That was my. That was my uh, off the air cr- trying to bargain business there. <laughs> yeah, we saw how well that worked. Yeah. All right, are you ready Alas. for round one then, Pastor Wolf? Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, I'm born ready. I am all, I'm ready for this game. I love this game. Okay, here it is. <laughs> but they became disobedient, rebelled against you, and cast <sighs> your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who had admonished them so they might return to you, and they committed great blasphemies. Therefore, you delivered them into the hand of their oppressors who oppressed them. But when they cried to you, in the time of their distress, you heard from heaven, and according to your great compassion, you gave them deliverers who delivered them from the hand of their oppressors. 
Oh, is this the same text you gave me last time? Did you do that? No. This was awfully close to the same text you gave me last time. <laughs> okay. Now, this is a prayer. It's a prayer to the Lord. It's it's a, a prayer of recounting the things that the Lord has done. So, handed them into the uh, hands of the oppressors, sent them deliverers. That would probably be the judges. Well, I thought, seemingly, this is similar to the one you gave me last time, because last time I was thinking to myself, it sounds like one of the sermons in the book of Acts where they're recounting the works that God did in the Old Testament. Remember how that conversation went? I, I don't even remember the last show. I not mentioned the last time the Bible be. All right. Well, all right. So give me, if you would, please, the first, maybe the first few, the first sentence and the last sentence. Okay. The first sentence is, but they came, uh, but they became disobedient and rebelled against you. And the last is, you gave them deliverers who delivered them from the hand of their oppressors. See, I, I think this. See, this, this is kind of how how Stephen preaches. When he's preaching in the book of Acts, and he's reminding the people of their disobedience, and yet of the Lord's kind of constant faithfulness. It could be one of the later prophets, though, because this is very, the later prophets preach very similar to how Stephen preaches. Um, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the book of Acts, though. Is that your final answer? Yes, yes. This is actually Nehemiah 9. Uh, <laughs> uh, see? Well, okay, so that's talk about being one of the later prophets. That's going to be, you know, it. Right. Nehemiah. Okay, well, do you want to do Law Gospel for fun? Well, yeah, you, it is. You don't get any points because you have to actually get the... You should have let Dr. Fakincher guess. Did, <laughs> did, did he recognize that as Nehemiah? I'm curious. Uh, actually, I was thinking, uh, I, your, all of your logic made sense to me. I actually was thinking that I had read that in my readings recently, but I was going to go with Daniel chapter 7, the chapter where Daniel prays uh, that the, the 70 years are up, and then he goes through a recounting of how God had been faithful to, to Israel, how they had been unfaithful, and how God had justifiably punished them, and then he was going to plead for their deliverance. So I, I was actually going with the later prophet idea. But uh, your logic was impeccable, uh, and I would have missed also. I would have gone Daniel chapter 7. Well, there's some comfort there. Uh, the, uh, we, I think this is, I mean, Dr. Fakincher makes this great point. that This is actually, you know, the, just the pattern of preaching. The people rebel, and the Lord delivers them. The people rebel, and the Lord delivers them. And it happens all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, this is, and all the way through our own lives. So this has both law, the people rebel, and still the Lord sends his deliverers to rescue them and give them comfort and peace and hope and life and all of this stuff. All right. Okay. It's time for now uh, Dr. Frickinchers. Now, see, I, I just, you know, uh, Pastor Wolfman, you don't have... Uh, you know, Doctor Verkinter sitting across the desk from you, and you didn't you didn't get to see the the disappointment in his eyes when he had such an easy one of John six. That was pretty easy. So I'm I'm actually going to call an audible here instead of going with the verse I had planned from Psalm fifty one verse eleven. Ah, uh, that would have been easy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm that gonna, one I could have given you the verse on. I think <laughs> you're gonna switch. Wait, just switch it up. Give me Psalm fifty one eleven, and then give him the one you were gonna give me. Yeah, I'll, I'll consider that. Yeah. yeah um, but here I, I have a new verse. All right. Much more challenging. Let's hear it. Here it is. Uh, I looked and there was no one to help, and I was astonished, and there was no one to uphold. So my own arm brought salvation to me, and my wrath upheld me. I, be, that, I believe that is Isaiah chapter 56. 
Well, you have Isaiah correct, but this 57. is actually uh, 63. 63, okay. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Uh, I think if we look back to 56 or 57, I think there's something very similar there, too. Okay, very okay. well. Yeah, yeah. All right, Law and Gospel, uh, what do you think on this one? Okay, to... uh, again, you have Law and Gospel there. You, he looked, and he, he saw how helpless uh, people, God's people were without him, but then he delivered. And so you have both law and then gospel, God once again delivering his helpless people. Very good. Okay, so that's another 400 points for Dr. Frickensher, oh, bringing his final score for Bible B to 800. And uh, let's see, Pastor Wolfman, uh, zero, zero points so far. Um, but don't worry, you have one Check more round. Check your math. Check your math there. <laughs> see, carry the one, zero. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, we have two and a half minutes uh, for this last round. Are you ready? All right, I'm, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Um, let's see, what verse did I have for you here? I would have missed that one, by the way, Isaiah. Okay, here it is. Those who were full hire themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry cease to hunger. Even the barren gives birth to seven, but she who has many children languishes. I, that also, I think, is Isaiah. Uh, are you are you trying to trick me by picking two in a row out of Isaiah? <laughs> I think that's Isaiah the prophet talking there. Uh, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Pa- Dr. McKenzie, oh, would you like to venture a guess on that one? Actually, I was looking back to find my other Isaiah, and it was 59 that, oh. is, the, that is the very similar passage. Isaiah okay, 59. 59. But if you'll repeat this for me, I'll, I'll take a shot. Okay. Oh, yeah, no, for, <laughs> for bonus. No, no, you don't want to take a shot at this. <laughs> those who were full hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry ceased to hunger. Even the barren gives birth to seven. But she who has many children languishes. Uh, I mean, that, that does sound very Isaiah. I, I think I might have bitten on that one. Um, I, it, it, it's prophetic. Um, I'll go with Hosea. What, what do, I'm going to take a second guess, though, because I think I'm starting to think that uh, unless it's Hosea, then I'm not going to take a second guess. <laughs> it, is, it is not Hosea. There you go. Take a shot. Uh, well, th- th- so this sounds an awful lot like the Magnificat, but, you know, th- this kind of Ooh, theme of the great tempting. reversal. So what if it's, is it Hannah's song in... Uh, uh, back three. in First uh, Samuel, that two. Uh, right, First Samuel two. Very there good. Go. All there right. Unfortunately, there's no points for for the second guess. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, Pastor, you have uh, one minute to do law gospel. Again, on this. the beautiful law gospel text. This great. I mean, it's a theme. Of, what do we call this theme? The great reversal. So the the proud, the Lord cast down, but the humble, the Lord lifts up. The the haughty, the Lord the Lord demolishes with His law. But those who have been demolished with the law, the Lord comes in and comforts and keeps as his own dear people. He, he gives his, his gifts in abundance to those who don't deserve them. That is to sinners, to you and to me. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Dr. Frickensher, thank you so much for being the judge, fire, and preacher and for sticking around for uh, Bible B as well. Both delightful. All right. And uh, we'll just take another look at the final score before we head oh, yeah, out. On to, let's do uh, that. This is uh, see, Dr. Frickensher with uh, 800 and uh, Pastor Brian Wolfmiller with zero. Well, it was I, close. I'll give, I'll give you a couple points for that uh, second guess. Two points. So 800 to two. Close, Fair very enough. close. All right, you've been listening to Table Talk Radio. Don't forget to check out our website at tabletalkradio.org where you can listen to interviews and others. Uh, thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the influence you have over the Iron Preacher you judge by being a synodical bureaucrat. The views expressed <laughs> on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. 
Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.